0: So this is My Strange Addiction. My name is Kirk Cooper. I'm going to tell you a little bit about myself really quick, uh, just because I feel like you ought to know just a touch about me before you come and let me just try to get up all in your face. Um, that's not what we're going to do, but um, I am, let's see, I'm from all over, actually, because my dad was in the Air Force, but uh, I spent a lot of time in Mississippi, and um, Sure, and um, and and I I've spent the last uh, seven and a half years in Alabama, so um, which is like Mississippi, but like just flipped over, like so, you know. Uh, um, you certainly pay for it. So, um, the. Uh, you don't have to tell me about all them football. I hear about it all the time. Hey, uh, in Colorado, I was supposed to be getting a break from that. Anyway, here we go. Uh, yeah, so I have uh, these, the, this projector and all this is not great. So, But I have a wife. This is Marty. And this is, um, she's probably mad. I mean, she's pretty good the picture, so, you know, whatever. But she's also not yellow. I don't know what that color's about. So, um, anyway, either one of us, I don't know. Anyway, and then we have these guys. Uh, this is Campbell. He's seven, and um, and this is uh, Grayson, and he is two. And um, anyway, so that's us. Uh, I've been at Trinity Presbyterian Church in Montgomery for the last seven and a half years, and um, and we've we've enjoyed our time there and been blessed to minister there, and uh, we have a group here too. Uh, Anything else that you need to know about me? I used to work at a different church in Mississippi called Lawndale and several other Yeah, so yeah, I know them too. Um, and let's see. Yeah, I guess that's all you need to know about me. I went to Mississippi State uh, for college to remember why, And And um, that's fine for whatever, like, just don't get your hopes up. We don't ever do anything good. So, um, but, uh. But I uh, met my wife there. I, I grew up uh, not reformed at all. Um, and I got to college, and uh, the Lord, in His grace, um, really uh, showed me the Bible in a very unique way through some reformed ministries, RUF, and, and a church. And then also met my wife there. So that was a really good experience for me. Um, that's really all that you need to know about me. Uh, let me pray for us, and then we'll jump into this. I want to, well, hold on. Let's just, We'll get to those guys in just a second. All right. Let's pray. Lord, uh, give us grace. Um, you oppose the proud, but you give grace to the humble, so we humbly ask that you would be with us now. Uh, Lord, we're not here to um, self-flagellate or um, beat ourselves up so that we can enjoy some kind of sense of pity. Uh, we're here mm-hmm. to, have a, to have a conversation. Um, and I pray that your work would guide us in that. In Christ's name. Amen. Okay. Um, I'm going to show you a picture of three really old, really dead white guys. Um, this guy's from Scotland. This guy's from the United States of America. And the guy's from Switzerland. So, um, or Austria. Austria. And um, uh, I'll tell you a little about these guys, okay? Sir Robert Christensen, as you can see, they all lived at the same time, but not, like, they're different ages, but they're all alive. For a certain stretch, they're all alive at the same time. Sir Robert Christensen uh, was from Scotland, and he was a doctor, and a very successful doctor. In fact, he became the president of the British Medical Association. And uh, I don't know... Uh, how, I mean, I've never been a doctor. I thought I was going to be a dentist in college. Um, like, I, I, I went pre dentistry, like, I did all those classes. But the only reason I really want to be a dentist is because I thought they worked good hours. And, um, like, it seemed like my dentist like, made a lot of money and didn't have to work very much. So, um, it turns out if you don't like blood or animals or science, dent- dentistry's not for you. So, um, but I don't know if you know a doctor. Uh, doctors practice medicine. But whatever doctor you know, that doctor ought to pretty much bow down at the feet of this guy. This guy, and I'm gonna tell you why. Because this guy, this is how he practiced medicine. He was studying the effects of certain chemicals on the body. And so he would get volunteers to take like a bunch of sugar or to take a bunch of um, you know, a bunch of different substances and just be like, Hey, well, how does this affect you? Like they they would ask him questions. But there were some substances that he couldn't get people to take, all right? Like arsenic or cyanide, for instance, okay? And so he got kind of tired of not knowing like exactly how those worked, so he decided that he would just take trace amounts of those things, and then he would write down how he was feeling until he passed out, and then his research assistants would pump his stomach, a a rudimentary version of pumping his stomach, and they would revive him, and then he would like kind of record his experience. And that's how doctors practice practice medicine in the 18th and 19th centuries. So what's up to this guy? Like... You know, I mean, I know he doesn't look like much. And he was doing this until he was in his 70s and 80's,? Okay? He was taking drugs and being like, "I don't know what's going to happen, guys. I'm just going to tell you, and then let's write it all down and then try to save me." okay? Like, if, try to that's, that's what he did. Like I, I cannot make this up. This is real life, this is what this guy did. And one day, this guy decided to take a, a certain substance. And uh, after he took the substance. He felt fantastic. Even though he was 80 years old when he took it, he decided to go on a walk. And he walked, he went on a 10-hour, like 15-mile walk at the age of 80. And he came back, and he went to bed, and he woke up the next day, and he felt fresh as a daisy. And he said, he wrote in his journal, he said, I think I've discovered the drug that is going to cure all of our problems. He had just taken cocaine. John S. Pemberton fought in the uh, in the uh, Civil War, fought for the losing side, um, and uh, he was wounded in a battle in Columbus, Georgia, and he uh, he got addicted to morphine because uh, he had some really grievous injuries, and in order to curb his morphine addiction, he developed this drink that he would drink. Um, it was non non-alcoholic, non-alcoholic wine. And cocaine um, together. Non wine cocaine. He called it French wine with coca. And eventually decided to change the name to Coca Cola. And uh, he invented Coca Cola. I don't know if y'all knew that cocaine used to Coca Cola. Um, he invented it, John S. Pemberton. Um, and around also the same time, Sigmund Freud was doing this thing. Some people, like everyone in history, People are divided as to how much Sigmund Freud contributed to the scientific community, but um, he was respected in his time, and he was respected for a long time afterwards too. Even today, uh, some people think that he was a genius. Uh, he was clearly smart. Uh, he wrote a book. He enjoyed cocaine so much he wrote a book called Uber Coca about how cocaine had solved all of his physical ailments. He had a several like he had like a really bad stomach and all these things, and he would take cocaine and would make him feel much better. All right? These are learned men, okay? Learned, learned men. They're not idiots. They're not someone like on the street just trying to get high. Like, these are people who are accomplished individuals. All of these guys have done more. Any one of these guys has done more than me and any one of you combined will ever do in our lives, okay? I mean, like, we're, none of us are going to invent Coke. I mean, come on, Coca Cola is the greatest drink ever. And, um, you know, like, these are, these are accomplished men, okay? And they were absolutely convinced that cocaine. Was the cure to the modern problem? Okay, it was. It was the cure to everything. Right? If if people were not ambulatory, if old people were not ambulatory, like I mean, they couldn't get up and walk around. You could give them some cocaine, and they could get up and walk around. Um, you know, like some people, like they, they even had ads for it, cure for drunks. right, this is what it says. Like, do you have a drunk in your home? Just give him some of this tawny port. Which is made from pure cocaine and he will never want alcohol again. <laughs> Tell him to drink more, then hand them Bob's tawny port. Um, like, these are literal advertisements in newspapers. This is not some Photoshop job that I've done. This is, hey, do you have hair problems? Uh, do you have um, do you have dandruff? Do you, um, do you, are you losing your hair? Um, do you have whatever a scald head is? <laughs> it says it's your scald head, whatever that. I feel like that's like something you say about somebody when you're just coming up with an insult. It should be like, someone cuts you real deep, and you're like, well, you know what? You got scald head, you know? What <laughs> do you say about it at that point? You're just like, well, you win. I'm gonna go off and live by myself now. So, um, but like, so this is an advertisement. You can take take this cocaine tonic and take it and put it on your head. And it will cure these things. Hey, what about kids? They get toothaches, right? Yeah. How about some cocaine tooth drops? All right, let's do it. And that way they won't be crying when they have a toothache. You know? Like, oh, hey, does your child whine? Does your baby whine when they're teething? Do they whine? Look, look if you've had a child, teething is the worst, right? Because they, they're crying and there's nothing you can do for it. It's like, hey, you're cutting teeth. This is what's happening. So, hey, let's give them some of Mrs. Winslow's Soothing syrup. Do you know what's in this? Let me get Yes. Cocaine is in this, Okay. Now, look, look. this is an ad from... Whoops, I went the wrong way. This is an ad. This is, I wrote this down. This is another ad. It said, uh, Cocaine is endorsed by 20,000 of the most learned and scientific medical men in the world. Cocaine can supply the place of food. It can make the coward brave. It can make the silent eloquent and render the sufferer insensitive to pain. Okay? This was all over the place in the 1800s. Everyone was like, Do you have a problem? We have the miracle drug that will solve it. It's cocaine. Um, Now, there's a verse from Proverbs that kind of describes the situation. As a bird rushes into a snare, he does not know that it will cost him his life. As a bird rushes into a snare, he doesn't know that it's going to cost him his life. Jesus kind of talks about this too when he talks about laying a foundation. He says, I'm going to read this whole quote, but he says, uh, Desiring to build a tower, who does not sit down first and count the cost? Otherwise, when he has laid a foundation and is not able to finish, all who see it begin to mock him and say, This man began to build and was not able to finish. In In other words, they discovered this brand new drug. It was new. And they didn't stop to count the cost. They are just like, let's, this is great, let's do it. Let's do it. Like, let's give it to the kids. Let's give it to the old people. Let's give it to the sick. Let's give it to the people who are just kind of sad. Let's just give it to everybody, all right? This is, this is our, we, we found the solution to our problem. In other words, this is what you need to know about cocaine. And some of you are like, wasn't this about phones? I've never even seen cocaine. Like, um, but just hold on, just wait. Um, cocaine was relatively new. Okay, it was new. It was also, it solved important problems. It helped people do some things that they really needed to do. Um, you know, like old people not being able to walk or not being able to get up and move around is a big deal, right? It's a big deal. And, um, and this is something that can help them do that, right? But the problem was, is that the effects of cocaine weren't apparent yet. We didn't know about the side effects. We didn't know that if you take a bunch of it, you become addicted to it, and also it causes your heart to explode. Just a minor. Just imagine a cocaine ad if they had television back then. It's like two guys like doing some kind of exercise, like all the, you know, uh, all the medical ads were like really active people like doing it, and they're like, "And I take, you know, cocaine, you know, and um, or whatever the ad is. I don't even know the names of drugs now, like Lumesta. Was that a drug? Yeah. Okay. Um, sorry. So I don't take a lot of drugs. I'm just going to be honest. Um, despite what it seems like. Uh, but, like, they just didn't know that, like, you know, they have to read off the side effects. My like, side effects may include your heart explodes um, and you die. Like, they just didn't realize that. They didn't know. It hadn't been around long enough for them to do the studies. They didn't realize all the long-term effects that it would have. They didn't realize the short-term effects. They just didn't know. And the other thing is they didn't really understand addiction. They didn't understand addiction. They misunderstood how addiction worked. I'm going to tell you how they thought that addiction worked in the 19th century. Okay, Is that they thought that addiction was only a danger to people like you. People whose bodies were still developing. People who were, who were young. You guys could be addicted to stuff. And then also, anyone who had like a weak will. Anyone who wasn't like strong-minded. Those people, if you were addicted to alcohol at the time, if you were a drunk, they would be like, "Well, it's just you just make bad decisions, right? Like you just don't. If you would just will yourself and pull yourself up by your bootstraps, it would be easy to put the wine bottle down and to go get a job." And like now we know that that is completely false. Okay, that that's not how addiction works. That that it doesn't. Like sh- certainly addiction affects the young, the weak-willed, and the unintelligent, but it also affects the old, the strong-willed, and the intelligent. Right? And those men that I showed you that were really Smart. They didn't think, they literally did not think that they could be addicted to cocaine because they were so accomplished. They were, they were accomplished individuals. Well, the, the, the two doctors. They, they didn't think that they, they stood a chance of being addicted to it because well, I'm a doctor. I've done a lot with my life. I'm not some kind of like, you know, loser down at the bar. Like, you know, I'm doing things. They didn't understand. But now we know that anyone can be addicted and can be addicted to almost anything. Okay, so cocaine was new. It solved important problems. Its effects weren't apparent yet. And also, addiction was misunderstood at the time. Now, that's great, Kurt. Thank you for that lesson on cocaine. <clears throat> don't do cocaine, okay? I need to say that into the recorder. Like, don't do it. So, um, it's bad for you. Uh, you'll feel amazing, and then you will feel terrible. So, whatever. But everything that I just said about cocaine can also be said about smartphones. And right now, you're saying to yourself, "That cannot be true. That is way overreach." But it's true. I wouldn't have set up the really cool animation like that. <laughs> that took some time, ladies and gentlemen. That just happened on its own. Come on. <laughs> yeah. Like to note that that's the first time in history that a PowerPoint slide has gotten an ovation for anything. All right, here we go. Um, smartphones. Think about it for a second. Smartphones are relatively new. Who in here is younger than seventeen? Seventeen and younger. Okay, so look at all the hands that go up. Okay, you were five years old when the iPhone came out. Like, you're barely making memories at five. Like, you know what I mean? Like, you're gonna remember like three or four things from age one to five like maybe maybe even maybe even less than ten things okay that's just me I don't know other people might have good memories man someone with a photograph mirror is like I remember every second of my life but whatever um you should call yourself okay? so uh, <laughs> but you just don't even remember you have no idea what life was like before there were smartphones like do you know for instance that like when we would go on trips in the car that we would have to talk to each other <laughs> that we didn't watch any. like i knew a really rich family that had a tv in their conversion van like but that was un- untold of at the time like that was not like a really rich family they took a trip and they had they had a conversion van which you don't even know what that is but it's a really ugly van and um and they had a television in it a cathode ray tube television and we were like these people are millionaires. Like, that's so, like, when we wanted to get, like, I, don't, I can't tell you how many times my dad has taken a wrong turn on a trip. But it's like hundreds of times. Because we just didn't have smartphones. I, were, I literally remember the first time that we took a smartphone on a trip. I was in college, and we were driving to Texas to go to my cousin's wedding. And, um, and my dad had a map. And if you don't know what a map is, okay. yeah. you might not still know what a map is, because I don't know if that passes for a map, what you've got in there. But, um, like, he had it out, and he was so mad because, like, there was a turn that wasn't on his map. And I said, Dad, can I see the map? All right. I'm in the back seat. And I'm like, Dad, can I see the map? And I got the map out. And I was like, Dad, this is like in 2000. I had just gotten enough. I wasn't in college. I don't know where. I don't know how old it was. It doesn't matter. But I just got map, So it was like 2008, I guess, or something like that. I was like, Dad, this map was printed in 1995. I was like, Do you think there's a chance the roads have changed in Tyler, Texas in the last 13 years in any way? There's just any chance of that. And he was like so mad. He went and bought a GPS like that day or whatever. But we used the, like, you don't, you have no idea what that's like. You just don't, and you're like, Thank goodness, I don't know what it's like. You know, um. You know, whatever. You just don't. And what I'm trying to say is this, is that phones are, like smartphones are so new. They're so new. It took them a long time to figure out that cocaine was bad. And we're not even close to the amount of time that it's going to take to figure out what's wrong with phones, okay, and how they affect us. Right? They're so new, and we don't know the side effects. And can I tell you something fun about your generation? Is that you are a guinea pig? We're just gonna. Your parents, even if they're good parents and have kept you from it for a while, you're, like your generation has just been handed this technology, just like we handed cocaine tooth drops to little kids. And we're like, we're just let's just see what happens to them. And then when you get older and you have all these problems, like relational problems, and like we're gonna be like, oh look, the divorce rate is ninety percent. Like oh. Yes, maybe we shouldn't give phones to people. Like someone's gonna make that connection at some point. Like something I'm I'm I'm, I'm speaking on verbally now. But like you're the guinea pigs. Because we don't know what it's gonna do to you. We don't know how it's gonna affect you. Alright? We don't know. And so but you're just giving them, you know? My son knows how to operate an iPad, okay? My two-year-old son knows how to operate an iPad. I didn't teach him how to do that. He just, like, when he walks up to the screen, he immediately thinks, like, no matter what, that he can do this with it. Like, we have a television in our house that is clearly not a touch screen. And he will walk up and be like, I want this show, Daddy. Like, now, um, uh, some of you are questioning my parenting methods now. <laughs> That's fine. Um, all I'm trying to say is that they're new. And I'm not here to say that your phone is terrible. I'm running this slide On a phone. So obviously, I believe they have a use, okay? This is not going to be like bash your phone elective, all right? Or like your generation is terrible elective. Your generation might be terrible, but it's not about this. Um, There's plenty of other reasons why you might be terrible. Um, But uh, look, my generation, anyway. Don't give us debt. Yeah. What are you talking about? How old do you think I am? uh, (laughs) Please. You're like great granddad gave you debt. uh, (laughs) But. the point is this, is that even though phones seem to solve a lot of our important problems, we can listen to music, we can find our way, we can wake... I woke up this morning to my phone, right? It, my, my phone tells me how to get places, it tells me when to get places. It guesses where I'm going to go. I will back out of the driveway and at a certain time of day, and my phone will be like, looks like you're headed to Trinity Presbyterian Church. Traffic is light. It'll be a nine-minute drive. And I'm like,
1: what is happening
0: right now? They, um, like I'm like looking up at the sky. Like, um. They seem to solve problems, but we don't know their effects, and also we don't understand addiction the way that we should. We understand addiction better than we do now, but we don't understand. It. Let me just let's do a quick test. I want you to name something other than a phone. Okay. Um, I'll just name two to start. I'll just name one to start. Like alcohol. Name me, name me some things that people when I say they were addicted to. What comes to mind? Go. Sugar. Sugar. Heroin. Heroin. Sleep. Weed. Sleep. Caffeine. Money. Money. Sleep. Nicotine. Even out. Sleep. What? Sleep. Sleep. Okay. I want you to notice something. Okay? I want you to notice something. Most of the things that were said were substances that we put into our body. Sugar, nicotine, caffeine, weed, heroin, cocaine, alcohol. Like those are all things that we take and we put into our body. But there's a whole other level of addiction. There's a whole nother other side of addiction that we don't really think about. And it's the kind of addiction that this feeds, encourages, and enables. Okay, And it's called behavioral addiction. Does anyone know what a behavioral addiction is? Does anyone give me an example of behavioral addiction? Okay, you can be addicted to working out. That's a good one. Someone said that in the first class. Anyone else know of behavioral addiction? Addicted to just playing like, working, after work Okay, yeah. So addicted to like working. Go ahead. Addicted to eating. you can be addicted to eating. That's kind of putting stuff in your body. So yeah, you know, but you know, any kind of habit, like picking your nails. Or something. What'd you say? Picking your nails or something. I don't know anyone who picks their nails, but a lot of people who buy them. Buy. They, um and I, including me, right? And that's a behavioral addiction. Like I don't get. I'm not when I bite my fingernails first of all, I don't eat them because that's disgusting, but um you obviously spit them out but they uh um, but it's a behavioral addiction that I have and when I'm stressed out, like I was stressed out last week, like my fingernails they just start to go down to like just nubs like you'll just I'll just be on it all the time like i just be trying like it's a behavior, it's something that I'm doing that in some way like, gives me something, right? So that's a behavioral addiction that I have, all right? And we have a lot of them. No one mentioned pornography, but that's like maybe the number one, all right? Um, but it's a, it's a behavioral addiction, running, exercising. There's things that we do, and there's something about doing it that fires off certain things in our heads that's just like doing drugs. I'm not even kidding. Like there are, there's a thing called dopamine, and controlling your dopamine center is what all drugs do. In some way, in some way or another, they affect your dopamine center, and you know your your brain's release or your endocrine system's release release of dopamine. So, um, like, and where it goes, and like those kind of things do. When I bite my fingernails, my you know I release just a trace amount of dopamine to a certain place, right? Like we have these behavioral addictions, and. When we think about addiction, we have to, especially when we think about smartphone addiction, we have to think about behavioral addictions. Okay. I want to talk to you a little bit about this guy. All right. All right. Who knows? Who knows who, who Pavlov was? Does anyone know who Pavlov was? Pavlov had some dogs. Okay. And um, Which doesn't make him really special. But what Pablo was really interested in was a thing called classical conditioning. He was especially interested in dogs and why they slobber, like why they generate saliva. And so he rigged up this borderline cruel machine to several of his dogs that would like, um, on one side of their mouth, they have saliva glands over on both sides. On one side of their mouth, he rigged up this machine that where the saliva from this side would just go into this little tube right here. And he could measure how much they, sal- they salivated and when they salivated, you know, like what caused them to salivate. And one of the things that he noticed while he was doing his experiments is that whenever his assistant would come in to feed the dogs, their salivation would go way up. It would just start firing. All right? They would just start salivating because they knew they were getting food, right? And he wanted to test that. And so what he did, which is really genius, is that he started just ringing a bell every time that he fed them. He created a machine that fed the dog, okay, who fed the dog. He would ring the bell. They wouldn't see anything. They'd ring the bell, and food would drop into their bowls, right? And then ring the bell, food would drop into their bowls, ring the bell, food would drop their bowls, right? And then, then he discovered that he could just ring the bell, and all of a sudden they would just start salivating. So I want you to understand what's happened. That's called classical conditioning is that those dogs had come to realize that that bell ringing meant that it was time to eat, and so even when there was no food, he could ring the bell, and their bodies would respond. All right? Now, why that's important is because we have been padlockingly training ourselves with our phones. We are the dog. Okay. We're the dog. I want to show you what I'm talking about. I want to make sure that the speaker is on before I do that, because it would be sad if it wasn't. All right, I think we're connected. Let's see. Oh, stop. Go back. Hold on. Sorry. It's a technical difficulty. Oh, that would stay All right, there we go. All right, back to it. Keep us alive, but we're not born with programmed reactions. Sometimes new stimuli can provoke a near universal response, like when this guy walks past people and pings his own cell phone. I think a lot of us have. is classic, classic conditioning. It's Pavlovian. Essentially, there's a stimulus that is linked to a type of behavior, and the two eventually merge completely. So whenever you hear that sound, you will immediately reach for your phone. I actually checked my cell phone while watching the clip. Okay, so... Turns out that we're not that much different from the dogs that we can be Pavlovianly trained, right? And we can pathognitively, in fact, just give you one other little example of this, a slightly more realistic and reliable example. Let's reboot again. Anyway, yeah. yeah. hey, do you want an What do you think? What? <laughs> right. One else. Okay. 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 Elbow, shoot. <laughs> what are you doing? I, well, I don't know. I don't know. I don't know. I don't okay. I know that we like to think that we're Jim. Everyone thinks that they're the cool ones in the class, but we're Dwight, okay? In this. We're Dwight because we have pathologically trained ourselves. To respond to this device have you ever ridden in a car maybe you, you're driving in a car and you've got jeans on it and so like your phone is down you know like it's not I have pants on it's a bad example but like you know you can easily reach your phone but like you got jeans on and you shouldn't be checking your phone where you're driving anyway we'll get to that but like you know, and your phone starts to go. My wife likes to send, like, she doesn't send one long block text. She sends, like, a sentence and then she texts another one. So it's, like, four texts. And I always tell her, like, if it takes more than three texts, just call because I can't stand that. But um, she doesn't care what I say. So uh, it doesn't anyway. But I'll be driving in my car, okay? I'll be driving in my car. And my phone will start to, you know, I always have it on silent. So it'll just vibrate on my leg, vibrate on my leg. And I, I'm not going to check it, I'm driving. But the, and then it gives you that second by break, too, like after it's like, hey, remember you got this text message, and you got like three or four of them, and I will not find myself. Now, how idiotic is this? But I'll be driving the car by myself. I'm a 39-year-old man, and I'll be yelling to no one in particular, I'm driving right now. I'm I can't talk on the phone. I'm just angry. And you know why? It's because I've trained myself that when that thing calls, I respond. When, when when that phone buzzes, I respond to it. And when I can't do it, it agitates me. It agitates me. It makes me mad. Now that is a conversation, that's an interesting conversation to have with yourself, which is this, like, what does that mean? Okay? I can tell you what it means. Or at least a part of what it means, which is this. um, is that I, in some way, am worshiping the creature rather than the creator. This is uh, Paul and Romans talking about um, what is essentially idolatry he says um, they exchanged the truth about God for a lie and they worshipped and served the creature rather than the creator who is blessed forever Amen. that's Romans 1 24 and 25 in other words what Paul is saying is is that people who have not put so trust in the Lord that what their modus operandi is is to is to put their trust in the created thing rather than the one who created those things and that that, that becomes their idol um what is idolatry? Idolatry is usually a good thing that we have that we have made that we make ultimate. We say, unless I have that, I'm nothing. That's Tim Keller. Now, you might think that it's crazy to say this, but like, can you imagine going without your phone for a day, a week, a month? Can you to go with your phone without a month. Like people who some people like just at me, me even mentioning that gets them like What would I do? Like, that's my connection to everything. How would I talk to my friends? I wouldn't have any friends if I didn't have a phone. That's kind of true, by the way. Um, In some ways. I can show you some studies that show that's true. But, um, in other words, our our phones are our idols. Our phones are our idols. Now, I want to talk about idols for a second before we close. Um... We are forced to face the reality that our phones have become ultimate things. And we don't... I want to be clear here. We don't worship the phone. What we worship is what the phone gives us. We believe that the phone gives us access to our most core desires, particularly belonging, security, knowledge, influence. Our phone gives us access to those things. So we're not worshiping the phone. I mean, we like cool phones. like We like things... I watched the keynote where they introduced the iPhone, like when the, the, there'd never been an iPhone before and Steve Jobs walked out there. He goes, watch how you can scroll through your contacts and he scrolls and the list, like, bounces and you can literally hear, like, all of these, like, nerds in in um in San Francisco going, oh! like, they're just, like, losing their minds. They're, like, and all I did was, like, so we do freak out about, like, techno- technological advances. We have a Nintendo Switch, our, uh, our youth group does, and, like, the fact that you can, like, slide them on and off and like they become multiple. I'm like, what in the world is happening here? So we do like technology. But when it comes to our phones, we're not really worshipping the technology. What we're worshipping, we're not really worshipping the phone. What we're worshipping is what it can give us access to. right. So we're a lot like the people of biblical times because we're not as far removed from them as you might guess. Right? Because the people of biblical times had little devices that they believed to answer their most core desires. They didn't worship the devices themselves. They worshiped what those devices represented. And those devices were called idols. Okay, They look like this. How many of you have seen the movie Gladiator? Okay, In Gladiator, there's an early scene where he prays for his wife and his child. An R.I.P. to them because they're not going to make it in the movie. Um but uh, I know it's grim, so whatever. But that's the story of the movie. You want to watch a movie about Gladiator, there's going to be some people get killed. So, um, and, but he, lay, he sets down their little icons that he has. He has a little icon of his old, little whittled wood icon of his wife and his, and his son. And he sets them down in front of some bigger icons in that movie. And those bigger icons are idols, like this. Amen. This is what we think of when we think of idols. Now, people didn't worship back then. They weren't dumb and worshiped these things and thought that these somehow were magic. They thought that they represented something greater. And that and our idols are more sophisticated. Right? This is a more sophisticated idol than that. Okay. But it's the same principle at play, which is this: is that I bow down before this and I answer when this calls because I believe it. It, it represents something greater. All right. It. It. It connects me to my most deepest needs. And so I go to it when I'm in trouble or when I'm stressed out. You know, a lot of people bite their fingernails like I do, you know? But you know what some people do? When they get stressed out, or when things are awkward? Just go right here. Alright? Have a hard day at work. You know what I mean? You you have a summer job and you uh and you want to feel like you belong you should jump on Instagram real quick and live vicariously through your friends' vacations. You know, you're working at Fruitables Bowls today and they're in Costa Rica doing a zip line. And that's gonna feed a lot of your jealousy and envy and covetousness too. But you're also just gonna live through them. Things get awkward with you, you're in a conversation and people are like being awkward or weird. How quickly just like, I'm gonna put my little shield up. I got something important to This is this is our idol. Okay? We are not as far away from the people who bow down in front of wooden objects as we think we are. We're actually much closer to them than we realize. All right? We worship idols. All right, I think that's my last slide. I want to say one more thing for we place, and that's this. I want, I want to talk about belonging for a second because I feel like the phone the phone is the idol for wanting to belong, all right? to feel like you belong. Don't raise your hand. But how many people in here? How many people in here? Have ever like realized that there was like a Snapchat group or a GroupMe group or whatever with a lot of people that you knew, but you had not been invited to? I said, "Don't raise your hand." (laughs) Uh, It's okay. (laughs) Maybe you didn't invite it because you can't (laughs) follow (laughs) instructions. I love you. I'm sorry. Uh, uh, Or how many of you have opened up your Instagram? Some of you, this has never happened to you because you're popular and you just don't even realize it. Um, You're blissfully ignorant of this. But how many of you have opened up your Instagram and seen like four or five girls from your grade or four or five guys from your grade doing something, watching the game or going out, and you're like, wait a second, no one told me about that. That's a pretty common experience. Um, If you've never had that experience, and then I, I guess you're just cool. Awesome. Congrats on that. But, um, the, uh, but what's happening there is you're looking to your phone and you're letting your phone decide how much you belong. You're saying to yourself, you're looking to that phone, you're looking to that and you're saying, I want to be a part of something. I want to belong. I want these people to, to say that I'm worthy or worth it or good And you're looking for an answer you're never going to find on social media or anywhere else. Because ultimately what you want is you do want people to look at you. You want your friends to look at you and say, hey, I like you, and I'm glad that you're here. And you're made for that. That scratches an itch that has existed since Eden, like Richie was talking about last night. But more than that, what you're made for you're made for that, and that's important. You need it, but you're also made for God to look at you and say, "I like you, and you belong, and I want you here." And you're trying to find that in here. You're trying to find that in here, and it's not. It's not. You're not going to find it. Okay. You're, you're not going to find it, and you know that to be the case because I know that we're all, to some one degree or another, I know that we're all addicted to our phones. You know that to be the case, but you're still going to go there and look for it. And what I'm telling you is is that if this is telling you that you don't belong, maybe you're looking in the wrong place to find your belonging. Um, real friendship, real belonging happens face-to-face, eye-to-eye in the same shared space. You drove a bus here. You rode on a bus for some odd hours to get here or you got in a plane, if, you know, whatever. Like, that's real life. That's real belonging. Okay? Like, having to deal with people. Like, that's, that's real. Okay? And one of the problems that we have, and we're going to talk about this tomorrow, is that we think that we can find real things here, and we can't. They can help us organize real community, but they can't provide us a real community. Here's the outline for the rest of the week, then I'm going to pray. First, the next two days, I'm going to talk about how our phones are changing us. Our phones are changing us physically. They're making us different. All right? They're changing the way we think, the way we act, the way we speak. All right? And so I want to take two days to really investigate that so that we realize the problem. You know, first move of the scientific method. You know, like state the problem. All right. So like what is the problem? I want to do that. And then the last day, I want to say, like, look, how can we go from this thing telling us what to do to us telling it what to do? I'm not going to tell you to get rid of your phones or to get off all social media. I'm not going to tell you to do that. Those are decisions that you have to make, that everyone has to make for themselves. I will tell you as a disclaimer that I'm off all social media um, but and have been for more than two years, but haven't missed a single thing. So uh, I will say that. But I'm not going to tell you to do all that. What I want to tell you is, and it's easy for me to do it because like, I'm married and have kids, and like I don't have to be cool. No one cares about me. So, um, but and there's all this pressure on you to do it. So recognize that I see that. But I want this last day. I want us to turn around and be like, look, instead of this thing running my life, how about I run it for a little bit? There's a great quote in the movie Fight Club where it says, "The things you own end up owning you," and that certainly is true about the phone. And I, I want us to see how we can how we can biblically think about our phones in such a way that we own it instead of it owning us. Okay, we need to go. Brad, will you pray for us? Yeah. Okay. <clears throat> Dear Father, we, uh, we thank you uh, for the opportunity to come here and discuss uh, a very interesting subject, and maybe a hard subject, um, and more Kurt today spoke about idols. I pray that you would allow us to see Jesus as more beautiful and more desirable than anything out there. Pray that you do that this week in Christ's name. Amen. amen.